Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Start of another work week here on Birth 365, your home for Eagles conversation. Yeah, we go all over the NFL, but we always come back to your hometown team, the Philadelphia Eagles. We are the Mac and Mac guys presenting Birds 365, Jody McDonald, along with my partner, John McMullen, who looks like he's rocking and ready to go. John, did you have a good relaxing weekend? No, I had a good weekend. Not relaxing, never relaxing. I'm like you, Jody, always working, always, always. doing something. Exactly right. And uh, unfortunately... The Eagles didn't give us a lot to work with. We'll uh, manufacture some good Eagle conversation over the week. But no moves, no statements, no breaking issues to deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. So as we get further into the offseason with another week of uh, workouts and maybe some media availability, um, we will talk about this team, where it sits right now. And where it sits, we all have an opinion. And I did want to start here today because uh, I've said this before here on the show, I'll repeat it again. If you are an Eagles fan, if you are any kind of a football fan, Peter King's Football Morning in America column on Sunday night slash Monday morning. It's supposed to come out Monday morning, but Peter always gets it out at some point during a uh, Sunday night. Uh, is must reading because I think Peter's got his finger on the pulse of the National Football League as well as anybody in this country. And this week he decided to come up with his ranking of the teams in the NFL, one through 32. Everybody does this all year long. As a matter of fact, I, I love the fact that after the Super Bowl is played, the day after, certainly the week after, and oftentimes the day after, yeah, we bask in the glow of the Super Bowl winner, at least for 24 hours. So let's say the Tuesday of the week after the Super Bowl, <laughs> they got to come out with a ranking of the 32 teams in the National Football League for the upcoming season. But we are now that much closer. So Peter King chose this week to be a week to go with his rankings for the upcoming season. I think we need to note where Peter King has the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, I give Peter King a lot of credit. I think he's as good a football scribe as there is. This side of John McMullen, I don't know that there are any better in the National Football League. 
Uh, so I just want to run these down for you. Uh, let, let me go through the 32. Then we'll go back. We certainly want to go Eagles specific on it. But there are some teams that surprise <laughs> me with how high they are, how low they are. Uh, everybody's got their own opinions of how the teams look at this stage of the season. So uh, I want to get yours, uh, Johnny Mack, on all the teams, including where the Eagles sit. Um, he's got Kansas City and Tampa as the top two teams, which he noted. In the entire history of the Super Bowl, since it's been the AFL against the NFL, there has only been one repeat Super Bowl. And that was two straight years, the Dallas Cowboys against the Buffalo Bills. Sorry about that, Bills fans. The Cowboys won both of those games. But it's the only time we've seen both teams get back to the Super Bowl after playing each other year before. And he said, those are the two top teams, one AFC, one NFC. So that looks like the matchup for him right now. And I don't really disagree with him there. He's got two more AFC teams thereafter, Buffalo and Cleveland. The highest Cleveland's been in a long time at three and four. San Francisco at five. That's way too high for me. Rams at six, new quarterback, you know, Matthew Stafford. Um, at seven, I forget who he's got at seven. I wrote Rams. It can't be the Rams. Uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. Ravens, that's what it says. It doesn't say Rams. What can I tell you? I don't have my glasses <laughs> on. Um, uh, Ravens at seven. Packers at eight. That's if Aaron Rodgers stays. Chargers, Miami. The Saints. I got I got Indianapolis at nine, Joe. Oh, who did I skipped Chargers. over? My bad. I skipped over Carson Wentz's Colts. That's important. Oh, and I do want to get uh, to that. Seattle at twelve, Saints at thirteen. I think they can take an even further tumble. Thirteen is down from where we usually think of the Saints, but I think they can fall even more precipitously that than that without Drew Brees. Cardinals, the. WFT, first team out of the NFC least. He has the Redskins in the top half of the league at uh, 15. The improving Bears at 16. The Patriots only at 17. Tennessee falling 18. Steelers 19 falling. Um, Giants at 20. That's your second AFC, NFC least team. And the Cowboys right behind them at 21. Falcons 22. Vegas 23. You do realize I haven't gotten to the Eagles yet, right? And we're 20, 23 teams deep. Uh, 24, 24 would be the Vikings. 25 would be the Broncos. 26, Matt Rule and his Carolina Panthers. 27, the Cincinnati Bengals. And coming in at 28, with only four teams behind them for this upcoming season, your Philadelphia Eagles rounding it out. Jacksonville, Detroit, the Jets, and the Texans. Eagles at 28. And I did the quick math, uh, Johnny Mac. Eagles had the sixth pick in the draft this year. We know they traded down and traded back up. Uh, but if this uh, standings were to finish exactly as Peter King laid it out, the Eagles would have <laughs> the fifth pick in the draft, which yeah. means they're going to be even worse this year than they were last year. Yeah. Didn't you and I just go through this last week and say, hey, eight and nine is a possibility for this team? Eight and nine isn't going to have you with the fifth worst record in the National Football no. League, is it? Well, I think there's two things here, Jody. We had Alex Marvez on last week, and we got sort of a national perspective. Now you see it from Peter. Nationally, nothing is expected from this team. Nothing. I mean, it's consistent. You look at the Vegas over-under odds, they're six, six and a half, whatever you can get. Nobody expects this team to do anything. I think locally, uh, people think, 
obviously fans, but I'm not even talking about fans. A lot of media people, I include myself. Uh, you had them in eight wins. I I I think they're being a little uh, over dramatic in how bad this team is, and more than the transition, I think I think nationally the biggest. The big transition with the coach and the quarterback is what everybody lynches everything on. I think locally we know what happened to this team last year, and it was about injuries on the offensive line more than anything else. Now, I always say this is a big if. This is a big if. But if Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson are out there, Jason Kelsey manages to play 16 games like he always does, Isaac Samalun, who's ever at left tackle, as Ross Tucker said, last week as well we had him on that's a top 10 offensive line all day that's a top 10 offensive line all day so if those guys are out there they're going to win more than national people expect but i don't think national people are paying attention to the offensive line to be honest they're looking at the coach and the quarterback that's it and the coach and the quarterback look bad from an outside perspective got to be honest about that you know, what? the most interesting thing Peter wrote, and this is something we've gotten over locally, but every once in a while it slaps me in the face. And he said the biggest surprise in the entire NFL, in the entire NFL, the most surprising thing that happened last year, more than Tom Brady at 43 taking the Bucks to the Super Bowl, was that Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts are here and Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz aren't. That is the biggest just upset of a situation in the entire league. And that's what everybody's hanging their hat on. That's it. It doesn't go past that. So I think it's going to be better than people expect because I don't think Nick Sirianni is completely clueless. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to fall flat on his face. But I do understand the national perspective and the fact that it looks like a disaster. As you get closer, you at least see some of the the thought process behind it, and you at least see to some of the things that contributed to the horrible 2020 season that probably aren't going to happen again. Just from an odds perspective, just from a luck perspective, you know, there's a they set a record for offensive line combinations in 16 games, Jody. What are the odds they're going to? reach that record or set another record. It's not going to happen. Right. Uh, so I I think you you kind of regress back to the mean at least a little bit. By no means am I trying to say this is a great team. It's not a great team. I don't think it's going to be a playoff team, but I do think they're going to be better than people expect, especially national. Here's a couple of things that you touched on that uh, I think we need to clarify a little bit. Uh, the return of the Eagles offensive line as a potential, and I think you absolutely have to put the word potential in there, top 10 uh, offensive line in the NFL. Uh, Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson are major parts of that. Brooks misses the entire year, and Lane Johnson missed a lot of the year, and when he played, I don't think he played it near 100%. Uh, So I think it's fair when you're trying to project how that offensive line is going to be able to play this year in this upcoming season in 2021 to turn back the clock to 2019. I don't think you can turn it back to 2017 no, no. because you're, you're, you're going four years back 
And that's four more years of age added to each of those players, neither of which is 23 years old or was even 23 years old in 2017. So here's what you have to try and project in your own mind when evaluating this Eagles upcoming line. Can Brandon Brooks and uh, Lane Johnson come back at their 2019 form? If they do, then I think this is a team that's got a chance to have a top 10 offensive line. I don't know if that's possible. Uh, I know what they look like in 2017, 18, starting to come back to the pack a little bit in 2019, 2020, a lost year, certainly for Brandon Brooks, for the most part, Lane Johnson. Well, what, what level of play are you getting Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks at for 2021? I don't think any of us know. We can project, we can guess, we can guesstimate, but I think we need to see it with our own eyes before we project it. I think it's certainly going to be better than last year, as you pointed out. They, no, they were yeah. moving guys in and out, week in, week out. Some of them actually flashed a little capability, which gives you hope that if there are uh, injuries again this year, the guys stepping in might be a little better for it because they'll be a little bit more battle-tested and give them their props for advancing the way they did. I, I got to know what Brandon Brooks and what uh, Lane Johnson, what level those two guys are at. It'll certainly be better than last year, but for the Eagles to be, and maybe you and I are both optimistic because we're calling for eight and nine. We're looking at those two guys being on the field, staying healthy and playing at a close to level of 2019. Here's well, where, here's, here, let me jump in real quick, Jody. You're right. That's why I say it's a very big if because these are aging players with significant injury histories. That usually doesn't clear itself up uh, completely. Uh, and that's why I bring up the fact that, hey, sometimes uh, you just get luckier more than one year more than another, and it's unlikely a back-to-back season. Or Lane Johnson, at the height of their games, Lane Johnson was the best right tackle in football. Brandon Brooks was the best right guard in football. Are they going to be that? Probably not. But are they going to be better than what they trotted out there last year? On the yeah, damn right they are. And if they're top 10 or even top 15, top half of the league, that is a huge advantage for Jalen Hurts versus Carson Wentz last season. But I agree with you. I mean, there's nothing you can guarantee. And if they have a bad offensive line again, it could be worse. It could be worse because you have less experience at the quarterback position, less experience at the coaching position. I'm just playing the odds here, Jody. It's it's hard for me to believe it's going to be as bad on the offensive line this last season. And here's where I think some optimism does come in, at least for me. And you can address this because you too thought the Eagles might be able to get to eight wins next year. I'm a bigger Jalen Hurts fan than you are. I don't know if he's going to be Eagles quarterback for the next 10 years, but I know he's going to be their quarterback this year. And I think it's at least a 50-50 chance it'll be their quarterback in 2022. I like the kid. I like what he flashed with last year. I like the way he's handled his business this offseason. So first things first, you got to evaluate Jalen Hurts. Then you need to compare that to what the Eagles got as far as quarterback play was last year. And part of that is Jalen Hurts because he started four of the games. And uh, I will weigh that into my evaluation of the Eagle quarterback play from 2020. I'll cut him some slack, Jalen Hurts that is, because he was a rookie. 
And just because of that experience and a year more growth and being the man during this offseason and getting those number one reps in practice leading up to the season, I think has to mark improvement in those games. So it's Jalen Hurts 2021 as compared to what Carson Wentz was three quarters of the season last year to let me pick a word to describe it. Horrific. That's how bad Carson Wentz was. So can Jalen, and we've been debating for six months now, how the hell did this all happen? But it happened, and we know it happened. We watched it happen. We can break down the numbers to note how horrific it was. Can Jalen Hurts be better than that? Well, I damn well hope so, because if not, he's the worst quarterback in the National Football League. Because, oh, by the way, yes, that's what Carson Wentz was last year, the worst quarterback in the National Football League. So I certainly believe the Eagles can be better this year. Now, is Jalen Hurts going to jump up into the top half of NFL quarterbacks? I don't know about that. Top two-thirds of NFL quarterbacks, maybe. If he's down in the bottom third, well, then the Eagles are going to be nearly as bad a team as they were last year. But I've got to give Jalen Hurts the benefit of the doubt that he can be better in 2021 than the quarterback combination of Carson Wentz three-quarters, Jalen Hurts one-quarter were in 2020. Well, I think the same sentiment. One, I got to correct something. I, you know, because it's my pet peeve. I don't think you're a bigger fan of Jalen Hurts than I am. In fact, I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts. The person. What did what, what did you, you say? Think, what did you hold on? What did you no, say when the Eagles? What did you say when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round last year? I said it was a bad pick. Oh, okay. Not, I didn't. So that's where I can absolutely yeah, but, sit here no, and look you in the eye and tell you, John McClain, I'm a bigger Jalen Hurts fan than you I are. Wish I one was, of the two of us liked when he added wish, was added to the Eagles. The other one didn't. So you I wish that it was John McClain, but I can look you in the eye and say you're not listening to the context. I thought it was a bad pick because of the Eagles mentality behind it, not because of the player. The second part of that is you think he has a higher ceiling as a player than I do. You think he has a better skill set as a player than I do. That's different. That's different from liking a kid, wanting him to succeed. I always pride myself on telling the truth. I don't think he has a high level ceiling as an NFL quarterback. I've said that very consistently. I haven't come off that path. That's where you and I disagree. It's not about fandom or not fandom. So that's my only point. But the second thing is, yes, from the odds perspective, same thing with the offensive line. It's hard to imagine back-to-back seasons with that poor quarterback play. So just going from a a common sense standpoint of the pendulum theory where things kind of go back and forth, they're going to get better play at the quarterback position. And part of it is because of the supporting cast. Part of it is because I think the offensive line is going to be better. Part of it is because I think the skill position guys are going to be better with the not only the, the addition of Devontae Smith, but also I think Miles Sanders is, you know, really on top of it and understands he spoke to us last week. You rarely hear, hear players admitting, yeah, I wasn't real good at pass protection or catching the football. He understands that. So that to me is really, really positive because he knows he's got to get back in the groove. Maybe he had some of that rookie success and took it for granted. I don't know what happened, but he regressed really badly in those two aspects of the game. I think it's really positive that he understands that, realizes it, and needs to work on it. Um, so I think he's going to be better. 
I mentioned Devontae Smith. I think Dallas Goddard is going to be better uh, getting more snaps and then, you know, Zach Ertz had his worst season. So I think it's going to be better at tight end overall. So all this contributes to the quarterback play. And yeah, I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be vastly better. I don't think it's going to be top half of the league. And and that's kind of where we are, Jody. Is, is it going to be 15 to 20 or is it going to be 25 to 32? Is it going to be pro football focus? Is he going to be the 31st best quarterback? If he's the 31st best quarterback, the Eagles are in trouble. If he's 15 to 20, they're going to be better than people think. Agreed. Uh, and if I did not uh, make my point understandable enough, I apologize. Then let me recorrect. Let me restate. Well, that's it more for the fans, you know, who okay. all say McMullen's taking shots at Jalen Hurts. No, I, 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 you know, I root for the kid. I say consistently, he does everything possible as far as intangibles. I wrote it on phillyvoice.com. I'm also realistic. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not Justin Fields. He doesn't have that top-tier skill set. He just doesn't. That There's a reason. People have overcome it. I've given you the examples. Odds are against it. I think you got to be real. I'm talking about odds a lot. Odds are, odd, odds are with the Eagles that they'll have a better offensive line, better quarterback play. Odds are against Jalen Hurts that he's the next Russell Wilson or or Tom Brady or Joe Montana. Got to be realistic about that. Okay. I realistically think he could be the next Russell Wilson, uh, who was drafted in the third round as compared to when Jalen Hurts was drafted, was the second round. I'm saying I like Jalen Hurts better. As a player, as a potential. And Russell Wilson? Potential, what, I'll, I'll try this again. I like Jalen Hurts better as a player and a producer on the field than John McMullen does. I agree. That's what I said previously. I thought I said it. If it didn't come across that way and or you didn't understand it, then I apologize. And let me be more specific about it. I think he's going to be a better player than you do. Than what you think his upside is, his ceiling is. I think he's going to be a better player than that. That's what I that's what I meant when I said I like Jalen Hurts more than you do. I wasn't talking about work ethic. I wasn't talking about dedication. I wasn't talking about attitude. I was talking about actual production on the football field. I think he's got a chance to be a a top half of the quarterback in the National Football League. Now, I don't think he's going to be as good as Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson's a top five quarterback, and I don't know that Jalen Hurts will ever reach those kind of levels. But one thing I'll say for sure, and I'm about 98% confident on this, he's going to be better than what the Eagles were at quarterback last year. That includes himself for the four games he started and should have never been lifted in that last game against the Washington football team and the 16 games that Carson Wentz started. He will be better. He will produce more. The Eagles will get more out of their quarterback position this year with Jalen Hurts at the helm than they did last year. It's not going to take a whole hell of a lot to do that since they were the worst quarterback team in the National Football League. I'm not setting the real bar real high for Jalen Hurts by saying he'll be better than what they were last year, but I do believe that he will improve them. And I like the way you broke it down in that if he's somewhere between 
15 and 20, then there's a massive increase in production. If he's between 20 and 25, that's pretty darn good and is uh, headed in the right direction. If he's only between 25 and 32, yeah, the Eagles are in for another long season again. They they might win five games with an extra game added on. It's not going to be a massive improvement in the team. I got news for you, Jody. If he's 31, like Pro Football Focus says, that's better than Carson Wentz because he was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. But 31 isn't good enough. So he is going to be better. It's a question of how much better. And nationally, and that's where we started this whole thing, nationally, nobody believes in this team. Nobody. Consistently, nobody believes in this team. And it has to do with the head coach, and the quarterback, and I think it's a little bit unfair on both uh, on both parts of that equation. And at least as per Peter King's, and we're hoping to hear from uh, Jose Liliquido. He's uh, scheduled to join us coming up here in a couple of minutes on Birds 365. Um, I yeah, Maybe it was a Freudian slip on my part. I wrote down Peter King's top uh, 32 rankings, 1 through 32, and I lost the – where did he have the Colts again? Number it, nine. Number nine, which means he thinks Carson Wentz is going to be able to do the job and have that bounce back year. I don't know that that's going to be the case. That's one of the things we will talk about with our next guest. First guest of the day, first guest of the week, Joe Santa Liquido, uh, contributor for phillyvoice.com, going to hop aboard with Mac and Mac right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions into space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. 
catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Hey, Monday, kick off the work week edition of Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald, John McMullen, here to join us. First guest of the week. What is that that I see around his neck? Did he win a gold medal on us, or is that a, a sling? What's the deal here, Joe? Joe was Santa on the injured Frito? list. Yeah, that was a, that's a sling, guys. That's a sling. What, ha- what, 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 what happened? <laughs> I, I took a spill. I took a spill. I found out uh, my my head and the rest of me is not as rock hard as I thought it was. You okay? Yeah, I'm 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 getting there. I'm getting there. I uh, I don't think I'll be throwing 90 miles an hour anytime soon though. Okay. Did you throw 90 at one point or did you have the no, nasty, not uh, even close, fight. not even yeah. close. I'd be uh, lucky if I threw I'm... 60. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, we got you. I don't know if you heard us, Jody and I going back and forth on Peter King's uh first power rankings of the season. Most notable <laughs> He's got Indianapolis. What is, it? What is it? May 24th? First yeah, exactly. exactly. That's how silly it is. But nonetheless, it's Philadelphia. Oh. It's Birds 365. Mm-hmm. From the national perspective, nobody expects anything from this team. Nobody. I mean, nobody. And it's consistent across the board. And it's about the head coach and the quarterback. Ultimately, he's got Carson Wentz and the Colts in the top 10. He's got the Eagles in the bottom five. This is where we are nationally. Is uh-huh. it that bad locally, or is everyone misreading this situation? I think it's that bad locally. Uh, you guys both know a lot of people in the field. I know a number of people in the field, and not too many people are optimistic that this these, this team can finish above 500. I know there's been some uh, uh, some folks on the radio, uh, some prognosticators on the radio saying that they're going to win. I believe I heard someone say someone's going to win as many as 11, which is still <laughs> a tough time seeing. <laughs> you got two so, ends of the spectrum. You got the fans <laughs> and you got uh, the more realism. I think it's, as usual, it's, you know, somewhere in between, to be honest. I, I still say, and again, I had the honor of being your first guest uh, on your show when you guys first began. Uh, I, I still say, and I actually put my money, literally put my money where my mouth is, is uh, under, I think, the, the what's it, over under six and a half? Six and a so, half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I still say five or six. Uh, there's some growing pains here. There's some things here that uh, people are going to have to deal with when it comes to this team. And, um, you, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with an older team, for the most part, an older team. You're dealing with a system. I mean, people don't understand what goes into installing an offense, what goes into installing a defense. It is uh, something there that uh, I know I had the pleasure of talking to Coach Vermeil, the legendary Eagles coach, Dick Vermeil, who I think we all agree should be in the Hall of Fame. And he still rails against the fact that the coaches today do not have the uh, they can't they can't install things in a practical way. 
where you can walk through things. Everything today is is video and Zoom and virtual. So uh, it's one thing to know it in your head. It's another thing to train and build muscle memory to where you're going on the field and seeing and flying to where you have to be, to reacting where you have to be, as opposed to thinking where you have to be. And I think, in my opinion, my very strong opinion, there's going to be a lot of thinking, at least in the first two months with the Seagulls team. Because, again, you're dealing with something new, something there that's, that's new to everyone. And, and you're also dealing with a bunch of new players. So new players, new system, new coaching staff. And there's a lot of learning and uh, time to absorb all this stuff, you know, before they're able to turn around and practically use it on the field. So are you telling me the uh, get-togethers that the Eagles had last week in their first off-season group workouts, they didn't come together like a jigsaw mm -hmm. puzzle with all mm -hmm. the pieces <laughs> fitting perfectly? Is that what you're trying to tell us, Santa Laquino? <laughs> you can't make me laugh too much. Things hurt still. <laughs> but Sorry yes, that's that. what I'm saying. That's no problem. But that is that is exactly what I'm saying. And, and again, it's going to take some time. And I don't care how much talent you have in the world. I mean, uh, was it Coach Arians, guys? Uh, refresh my memory, but I believe it was Coach Arians that said, you know, it took even the great Tom Brady time to learn and, and fully ingest that Tampa Bay system down there. So if it could take someone like a Tom Brady who has immense football IQ, who's an, an incredible hard worker, who studies everything, if it took him time to turn around and, and take that whole offense in, it's got to take time for all these guys to take the Nick Sirianni offense in. Yeah, so we talk about off-season work, Joe, and, and the scale back further. Uh, there's no mandatory minicamp. The veterans uh, kind of got that in return for coming in for the for the OTAs, which, by the way, start today officially uh, down in South Philadelphia. But it's glorified walkthroughs. So when you talk about guys like Dick Vermeil and Bruce Arians who sort of been on both sides of the fence, not so much Dick with the pandemic, obviously, but certainly Bruce. The scale back in time to work with these guys, and especially with a new coach installing new systems, is it even possible in the current environment? I don't think it is, no. No, that's why I believe the advantage goes with the other three teams in the division. I know they're going through some transition. I know Dak is back. Uh, and even though he knows pretty much, I'd like to believe he knows McCarthy's system. And correct me if I'm wrong, too, he was having super, was super games yeah, up until the injury. So, you know, if he even comes back even close to that, obviously you see Dallas. Uh, and people still forget how close the Giants were to making the playoffs. I had the pleasure of talking to Joe Judge, which, uh, uh, which had, that'll come out in a couple, maybe in a couple of days. But I had the pleasure of talking to Joe Judge uh, a few weeks ago, one-on-one uh, -on -one for quite some time. And Joe feels really good about the culture that he's installed and the arc of that team and where they're going. And if you look at the three teams in the NFC East, despite the fact that how deplorable the NFC East was last season, you're dealing with still a Washington team that has probably, if not the best, certainly one of the best defensive fronts in the league. Uh so they're going to be back. Uh, they're dealing with, uh, and in Washington too, uh, with uh, getting um, a veteran quarterback in there that uh, has seen probably every defense going back to Barney Rubble and Fred Flintstone. So <laughs> that's <laughs> so. So you have something there that's improving. You have a lot of weapons up in New York with the Giants, and you certainly have a lot of weapons 
uh, with the Reds, with the uh, with the Cowboys, and with the possibility of Dak coming back. So you have three teams that I believe are on an upward uh, coming in an upward arc, and the Eagles either they're going to maintain because I don't think it can get any worse than last year, going four eleven and one, uh, or they're going to turn around and they're going to basically. I mean, they're going to get better. I, I think there's. I think we all agree. There's no doubt they're going to be better. Uh, but I don't think they're going to be that much better than they were last year again because I think a lot of it has to do with the growing pains and learning and observing the system. Oh, by the way, we're going to have uh, Zach Rosenblatt on a little bit later who covers the Giants uh, for NJ.com on with us. We're going to try and start to get some people on about the other teams behind enemy lines, the other teams that Eagles will be facing off on specifically twice, each with divisional opponents. Uh, let me get this out there before Zach ever hops on. I like Joe Judge. I think the Giants have a really good young head coach in place. Stop whining about last year. Just drop it. Forget about it. Yes, the Eagles with the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld in the second half kind of screwed the Giants a little bit. But you were 6-10, and 10, Coach, okay? It wasn't like you were some uh, running into the playoff, building up momentum, about to take over the National Football League team. You were 6-10. So, yeah, did you get stiffed a little bit and not make the playoffs last year? Yes, you would have lost to Tom Brady instead. It would have been your team losing instead of the Washington football team in the first round. So, at some point, you got to drop that and move on. But I do think Joe Judge is a good young coach who's going to give the Eagles problems for years to come. Joe's contention with that whole situation was he was he was railing against the situation, not, not the Eagles' situation per se. I mean, the man told me straight to his face, has immense, immense respect for, for – uh, for Doug Peterson, immense respect for the Eagles organization. Uh, that comment, uh, he felt, in, in Joe's opinion, was taken out of context. He was railing against the situation itself that under him, his New York Giants wouldn't do what happened in the end of that game. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of guys in the in, in the league. Uh, they felt as if you know this, this was a shot against the, the integrity of the league because you hear about tanking, certainly in the NBA. You hear you know, smidgens of tanking here and there with different other uh, sports teams. But hardly ever, if ever, would you ever hear the word tanking equated with the NFL in any way. I mean, what's the saying again, any, any given Sunday, where a, a lower team, I mean, the Eagles have been certainly benefi- beneficiaries of teams that didn't certainly tank in the in the end when they've, <laughs> they've turned around and they made the playoffs. I believe, guys, was it that, uh, that great run with McNabb and, and I would say McNabb's last great season when they yeah. made that run and they lost to the uh, Arizona Cardinals in the uh, in the NFC Championship, but they got a bit of a streak. Uh, correct me, guys, if I'm wrong. That they had to get some help towards the tail end of that season to even make the playoffs, and then they got on a hot run and boom, uh, could have led to another you know amazing historical season. But in a lot of ways, it still did. And the Eagles were certainly the beneficiaries of teams that didn't tank. Um, yeah. Yeah, Joe, you don't even have to go back that far. If you go back to 2019, the Eagles needed, I believe it was Chicago. Was it Chicago to run, or was that the year before? Either way, Chicago was clearly uh, on on the route to winning the NFC North. They didn't have to play in Week 17. They were going into Minnesota. All Minnesota needed was a win, and the Bears just – Bulldozed him. And then they had to play the Eagles. No, that's oh, that was, yeah, that was 2018. No, 2018. Was 20, 2018 season. Then they had to play the Eagles. Double doink, and they the lost double to the game. Eagles. Yeah. The double doink game. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. So, so you don't even have to go back there. Yeah. Point. Yeah. And, and that's just kind of what gets me here a little bit that, uh, 
that's where I think it's not just the Giants that that have a right to turn around and bang the drum, you know, with the Eagles and what they did in the final game of last season. Yeah. It's the NFL. And it's just like this is kind of a bad precedence, guys, with that we don't like to see. Uh, because there's there's I think there's a trust factor in here, an unspoken code that the NFL has always carried and, and carried it in a very glorified way that you know what, we're always going to give as much as we can give, despite the talent levels that are certainly different but we're always going to give it a shot. And I, I believe, I don't believe I know, and we all know, there were guys, there's players on that Eagles team that were not exactly happy the way that final game played out. And that's a credit to them. Jalen Hurts wasn't happy. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. wanted to go out and win that game. Man, that's the competitiveness. And yeah. But, you know, the one thing I will say and to both of you guys, and the Giants are a perfect example because you talked to Joe Judge, Joe, and as you said, you explained what's going on with him. And he doesn't think the philosophy of that team, that organization would do that. But, you know, guess what? If John Mara tells him to do it, he's got to do it. I mean, yeah. John Mara told Dave Gettleman, hey, we got to win this year. You've got to go out and sign free agents. You never know what position a franchise is in. Yeah. And the Eagles are certainly smart enough guys to turn around and realize and make the moves that they made to get in the uh, to get in the playoffs last, or I'm sorry, to, uh, to to get themselves in a position to get the Devonta Smith. Yeah. Right. So it, if you want to look at it that way, it w- did end up being advantageous. Although they had the six pick, they traded back to the twelve, then they traded back up again. So yeah. it does kind of get yeah. lost in the watch over and, time. And but gain, that and last they, game, and they did gain a first round pick from it too. In a yeah. sense. They got an and extra, cost them a third to move back up, but they got an extra fresh. So, yes, uh, we, uh, eventually a, a plus on the ledger side for the Philadelphia Eagles. All so, right. So, so you, uh, Peter can King. I ask, can I ask you two guys questions here? Real quick here. What did Peter King base his uh, his opinion on in terms of putting the Colts in the top 10? <laughs> uh, I, I, I Help me out here, guys. Educate me. That's exactly. See, Anthony Liquido, thanks for doing my job. That's exactly yeah. where I was going next. Uh, you beat me to it. How are the Colts in the top 10? They acquired the worst quarterback in the National Football League last year. And that's supposed to be an upgrade from, yes, old man Philip Rivers, who wasn't what he used to be, but still was proficient enough that he wasn't the last-ranked quarterback in the National Football League. And the Colts have had an okay offseason in addition to that. At best, I think their draft was okay, nothing special. Is it because the other teams in that division are going backwards? I think Tennessee takes a step back. We know the Texans take a big step back because of their quarterback question position. Jacksonville was 1-15. They should be better with their new quarterback. And their new tight end, Tim Tebow, uh, they should be much improved. I don't get it. How do you you put the Colts in the top 10? I think the thinking here is that locally – we know something that they don't know. We know Carson Wentz can't play. Well, I, we know he can't play the way he played in the 2017 season. I still think, I still think he could play. I still think he can be. And again, I quit him with Matt Stafford. If he could be Matt Stafford, yeah, the Colts I think can be that good. But he still has to prove that he could be that good. And it, it's kind of interesting. Um, I'll go back here again when when I did my story in uh, January 2019. Uh, again, you guys know locally I got bashed. Nationally, nationally there was a lot of acceptance of that story. Now here the twist side of it is that twist. people nationally yeah. <laughs> have a belief yeah. in Carson Wentz that we all saw shouldn't be there. 
You know, yeah. there shouldn't be any kind of faith or trust in him until he proves it. I, I still believe Carson has some ability. I still believe Carson Wentz can win this league. But again, uh, uh, you know, when he had that lit the world on fire in 2017, you know, he's going to be the next great thing. He's going to last forever. And the remnants of, of, you know, there's still many people that believe that. And I, I think I don't think I have to argue with the two of you guys that there's certainly not a belief in that here in the Philadelphia area. Yeah, I mean, I can only speculate what Peter's thinking. My assumption, because I I've talked to a lot of national guys, they it's not 2017 Carson Wentz. Yeah. They expect to see 2018, 2019 Carson Wentz. And you look at Indianapolis; it's a playoff team. It's a good supporting cast. He's comfortable with Frank Wright. Quentin Nelson is the best offensive lineman in professional football. Yes, yeah. the best offensive lineman in professional football. They bring in Eric Fisher, so you're going to have a better offensive line than he had last year. These are some of the things that you think, okay, the Colts might be pretty good. But if he plays like he played last season, they're not going to be good. So it's, do you believe in Frank Wright getting him back on the right track? Do you believe in that offensive line making things easier for him? That's the only avenue I can get to where Peter's getting. Well, well, I have I have a personal bias here because I go way, way back with a young man who I've known since he was 13. Covered him at Salem High School. You know, guys, you know where I'm going with this. Covered him at Salem High School, covered him at Wisconsin. Special young man on a lot of different levels. John Taylor. John Taylor is going to be a factor. And if they run any kind of balance there, ease went in, they could, they could be. They could be very good. I mean uh, – Carson Wentz deserves quite a bit of the blame for last season, but also, again, what we all touched upon, uh, that Doug Peterson could have helped him out in different situations, started him off with things easier, starting him off with the quicker routes, you know, as opposed to five and seven step drops, eased him in, built the confidence. And I think that's something there that uh, Frank Reich uh, will do with him. I think he'll ease him in to what they're doing. I think he'll turn around. They will rely on John Tower and that offensive line some ball control, having that mix. And again, if we remember, Carson Wentz did exceptionally well in that system with Jay Ajayi and uh, uh, Garrett Blunt and and the way they pounded teams in that 2017 season. They beat the living hell out of those teams. They wore them down, and that's how they won. And it opened up so many different things for Wentz throughout, you know, uh, all over the field. So if, if you look at it from that perspective, I can see and understand where Peter King is coming from. And, and it does make some sense, considering, again, a better offensive line. You have a quality, proven running back in Taylor, who, again, in my opinion, is only going to get better. And, again, this feeds all into, hey, Carson, you don't have to do it all alone, which I think Carson felt. No, it certainly wasn't the case in Philadelphia, but I feel very strongly is that what, is that, is that what Carson felt. Is that, is that's exactly the way Carson once felt. What, John, you're down there a lot. What, did you feel he took – more on to his shoulders than he should have last year. Yeah, I, I think Carson has the type of personality where if things are going bad, he tries so hard to get out of it. The old, you know, he just digs the hole deeper. He's pressing, uh, becomes that type of situation instead of just letting, you know, Doug would constantly say, I can't tell you how many times I heard him say, let the offense work for you. Don't worry about extending plays. Don't worry about that. If a guy's open, throw the football. By the end of it, he didn't trust what he was seeing. He didn't trust his own receivers. Uh, He didn't trust the running backs to be in the right spot as an outlet receiver. He didn't trust his protection. He didn't trust anything. 
And he didn't trust himself. The, he didn't yeah, trust himself. And, and you saw the decline in play. That's let me run this. Let me let me run this speculative question by both of you two guys. How much will the level of Carson Wentz's play <laughs> this year, after all is said and done, Colts put up whatever regular season record they have uh, in the playoffs, not in the playoffs, winning the playoffs? They they do what they do, and you're gonna have your own opinion on what that will be at this time. How much of Carson Wentz's play in the Colts season will dictate whether? Coach Doug Peterson is back on the sidelines in the NFL in 2022. That's a good question. Either one of you can go ahead and answer. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm going to say. I'm going to say this on a personal scale. Um, I could see Doug coming back in 2023. The reason why is first off, uh, now did his his son sign with the 49ers or Arizona? That's a good question. I have to look that up. So his son's in the league. I think Doug would like to take some time off. And I believe Doug has – he does have two more years left on his $5 billion a year deal with the Eagles, correct? He still has yeah, two more two years left. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah. So I think when the time comes when that $5 million is up and Doug, Doug runs out of that money, which I don't think Doug's going to do. We both yeah. know Doug is a, a good, mature, wise man who's going to enjoy it, as he should. Uh, I could see 2023 being a season where Doug comes back. Uh, uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of people that we all know in the Philadelphia media that think Wentz is shot. Ironically, again, I, me, you know, Mr. Quote unquote, Wentz hater. I shouldn't yeah. do that. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think he's completely shot. Um, I think they can win in Indianapolis, and I think he needed a new start. Um, now, but I also believe, I think that's, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a castle that crumbles down next season when people get him and everybody in the AFC South begins to improve again. Um, but uh, uh, I think what Wentz is capable of doing under, under, uh, uh, under Reich is going to be, uh, it's going to be, it, it could be good. It could be very positive. Uh, and I also think uh, you have in Reich someone there that has a personality that'll turn around and at least in the beginning, uh, because I'm sure through time, because coaches seem to tend to be this way with Mr. Wentz, I'm sure through time having a full season and being the head man dealing with number two, uh, that through time uh, Carson's reliability to frustrate people around him will once again surface. Now, Josh, real quick, Josh signed with the 49ers, so he gets okay. to learn under George Kittle. So that's pretty good. Yeah, but yeah. Um, secondly, from my perspective, I think the bigger issue with Doug is here. I really do. And not even with Jalen Hurts as much as some of the young players. I think you probably heard it too, Joe. You know, one thing I think you can criticize the old coaching staff on was the lack of developmental aspect of this organization. Young players not moving forward. So if Jalen Rager turns into, wow, Jalen Rager's a good player, I think that hurts Doug Peterson more than – something that's going on in Indianapolis. But second part of, of what you said, waiting, boy, waiting comes with it, you know, out of sight, out of mind type of thing. And I do think the Lombardi trophy still holds some cachet around the NFL. I think he could get back into it next season if he wants to, but if he wants to wait, boy, man, 
you know, light moves fast. They might move fast. He has that five million. He has five million. He has five million reasons. Oh, I'm not to, saying he needs to do it. I'm saying yeah. if he wants to do it. Yeah. yeah. That right. would be I, my concern. John, I like your concept that the Eagles under Doug Peterson last couple of years didn't develop their young guys. I might cut him some slack for Jalen Rager, but if J.J. Arcega-Whiteside turns like into that, a player yeah. this year, oh, that'll no. look real bad for Doug yeah. because they yeah. had two years of J.J. and couldn't get squat out of him. All of a sudden, he's a contributing wide receiver. Yes, that will point at Doug quite badly that uh, why couldn't you do this with the, the owner-selected J.J. arcega But I, I digress. Um, we're talking about uh, the Eagles and the additions during the offseason, Joe. Will Ryan Kerrigan be this year's uh, key offseason addition that maybe you didn't see some coming? Maybe you even question it a little bit because he doesn't fit the mold of what the Eagles are going to try and do. He looks purely like a rental to upgrade their chances this year. Oh, by the way, I got no problems with that. Everybody wants to compare him to Chris Long, and I'm not suggesting like Chris Long, he'll be the missing piece to raise the Eagles to high levels like a Super Bowl championship. But veteran guy comes in, does his job, makes you a better football team. Can Ryan Kerrigan be this year's uh, uh, type, that type of player? I think Ryan Kerrigan's going to add more off the field than he is on the field. Uh, he is 32, I believe. I believe the Eagles linebackers coach, I think he's only 27. Yeah, I think he's Nick 27. Yeah. So this, I think, all I hear about Ryan Kerrigan are good things. You know, good guy off the field, good guy on the field. There are a lot of similarities with he and Chris Long. Intelligent, so many people could learn from him. Uh, I think he is a culture, uh, a foundation kind of guy that you can get in there. And, and again, the younger players can learn work ethic. They could learn the things that, that, that he knows. And, and I think he's also the type. That, that will impart his wisdom to, uh, to other players. Unlike, despite the fact that I, I think the world to Joe Flacco, unlike Joe Flacco, Joe is an older guy, a veteran, a Super Bowl winner. But, uh, you know, if he has a chance to reach out and turn around and help Jalen Hurts here and there, I think he will. But I don't think he's got to go out of his way to do that. With Ryan Kerrigan, I believe he is the type of guy, type of character guy, the type of guy that every team needs. And I don't care what area of sports it is, NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB. He's a guy that's going to make people around him better through his wisdom. Uh, I don't know how much more he has left in the tank. Uh, and again, this is a team that I think we all agree is not going to be very good. When they got Chris Long, the infrastructure was far younger. Your car, your, your Fletcher Coxes was, was, was younger. Uh, Peters, uh, Jason Peters still had something left in the tank. Kelsey didn't have as much wear and tear on him. Uh, Brandon Books did not break down with the two uh, uh, torn Achilles. Uh, you have uh, Lane Johnson that was still, you know, arguably one of the best tackles in the league. So the infrastructure was there when Chris Long came to this team to push this team over that top. Uh, the infrastructure, I, I, I think we all know, is not there for this Eagles team. It's a young uh, coaching staff uh, that that actually, the ironic part is, they can learn as much from Ryan Kerrigan as the players, you know, next to Ryan in the locker room. So uh, I think he's going to do far, far more off the field than he is on the field. And the operative word here is this is a team in transition. And, and again, a team that's not going to win anytime soon. But I think someone like a Ryan Kerrigan can help institute the kind of culture that Nick Sirianni would like. 
All right, last one from me, Joe, and I want to thank you for fighting through the pain, yes. getting off the injured list. <laughs> tough guy, tough guy. First 365. I can't wait to see you. And that's no, that's not just for boxing swag. Yeah. I'm not looking for free stuff. Yes, he wink, is. Wink, yeah. wink, wink. <laughs> yes, he is. But well, listen, the two get... is the two is. I'll take care of the two is. Also, real quick here, real quick. <laughs> I know it's Eagles night three three sixty five, but I'll tell you what, that Jose Ramirez fight with Josh Taylor over the weekend was fantastic. Ooh, it I didn't was fantastic. See it, it was it was yeah, it was on ESPN. Uh, it was a great, great fight, and it certainly was. Uh, it was about real fights, real fists. Real fighters, and not some YouTuber who not likes to snatch hats thriller. off people yeah, and, and run around with yeah. yeah, with all that business. Yeah. That's just that's yeah. just it's just a whole mess. And that's why boxing that's why boxing's in the state. Boxing said also a real quick aside. Can we call ourselves the three bald bald tears? <laughs> sure. What are you talking <laughs> about? The, the three bald tears. Well, my Every on. So you guys can fight for you guys can fight for D'Artagnan. I'll fight for one of the other guys. Yeah, yeah. That's why we have you on. We've got to have that symmetry. But I do want to say, we're going to be talking this time next year. And I'm going to say, I'm going to predict that. And I want to know if Jalen Hurts is still going to be the Eagles quarterback. Wow, that's a good question. I've stumped Joe Santa Liquid. Yes, you have. You know what? Uh, Oh, man. Um, The fan in me, the fan fan in me wants to say yes. The media me says, no, no, I think they'll look for another answer next year. Uh, again, talking to some of the things, uh, some of the coaches that I know in the SEC and some things that still resonate with me is his inability to throw the ball, basically throw the ball the way Wentz threw the ball. Uh, all the intangibles are certainly there, leadership, yeah. character willing to run through a brick wall, wanted to play in that last game against Washington. All those things are certainly there. But when that inability comes, you know, when you're, when you're not able to do the things uh, that you're supposed to be able to do as an NFL quarterback, uh, that certainly starts to surface. I, I don't know if he has. Uh, and again, the twist of it is that I don't know if he has all the talent that Carson Wentz has or had. Uh, but certainly, again, if you put Wentz, Wentz's ability with Jalen's character, you have a hell of a quarterback. But regrettably, uh, I, I don't think I don't think he's going to make uh, that quick of a maturation project process uh, that, that uh, uh, arc uh, that that much of a positive arc that quickly. Um, I think he's going to be running for his life most of the season. You know, uh, I don't see uh, Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson holding up. We still don't know what the situation is with Ertz. It's a very nebulous situation that he's walking into. And again, compounded by the fact that this is his second year. He's dealing with a second head coach. He's dealing with a second offense that he needs to learn. And again, there's growing pains. And I don't know if the Eagles, uh, more specifically Howie Roseman, would be that patient to grow with him just yet. Uh, It's going to be a matter of whether or not the Eagles will have the patience with him. Uh, I don't believe they will. And professionally, uh, as a media person wearing my media hat, uh, I say they're going to look for someone new. Uh, they're going to have the two first first round picks next season. Probably uh, and three. Be, uh, probably yeah, probably yeah, three. Probably. And one of them's going to be very high, and, and probably is going to be theirs because again, I don't see them winning more than five or six games next season. So um, yeah, I see them 
picking uh, a quarterback in, in next year's draft, and I see them picking them pretty high. And regrettably, uh, Jalen Hurts will not get the opportunity that I think he deserves. All right. My last question, I'll make a percentage rather than yay or nay. But basically, it's the same thing, because if it's over 51%, it's a yay. If it's below 50%, it's a nay. Will Greg Ward lead the Philadelphia Eagles in number of catches in this upcoming season the same oh, exact wow. way he did in 2020? Wow. Uh, I'm going to say definitive no. Uh, I think oh. Jalen Rager could step Another up. Hater. Uh, Another just, hater. Another yeah, hater. I, I just uh, – uh, I, 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 no. I, maybe maybe it's just three-way tie between Fulgrim – Rigor and, and, and Greg Ward. <laughs> no, we got Devontae now. Devontae's going to lead touchdown. He's going to go with touchdown. Yeah. Where Greg Ward, oh, by the way, led the Eagles this past year. Touchdown receptions as well. In addition yeah. to overall receptions. I'm going to get the top two Eagles receivers right now. Where are we? What's today's date? May 24th. Well, hold on. Devontae you Smith, Dallas Goddard. Well, yeah, hold on. You have to de define top two receivers. Is it number of receptions, reception yards, or touchdown receptions? Which category are you using to determine top wide receivers? Reception yards and touchdowns are more important to me. So I'm going to say I could see Goddard having more touchdowns than Smith. But, but either you, way, it's one, two. John, both John under the wide receiver crew, who do you see leading that pack? Uh, Devontae's going to be one, Rager's going to be two, okay. number three is going to be to be determined. If it's mm -hmm. Greg Ward, it's a disappointing situation for the Eagles. Okay. All right, listen, hey, I, I give you guys a lot of credit, and I'm surprised both of you aren't wearing sunglasses with the light bouncing off my head. But uh, <laughs> Staying here, brother. Yeah, well, you, you got it a lot easier. For some reason, it bounces off this dome. <laughs> a, little bit no, more, it, a little bit more radiant. <laughs> it's it's a good thing that Joe Santoliquito could eat left-handed because the right <laughs> hand is uh, on the disabled list. But, Joe, we appreciate your gutting it out for us. Thanks gotcha, for hopping guys. on with us today, buddy. Gotcha. It's always Thanks, a pleasure, Joe. guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Joe Santoliquito here with us on Birds 365. All right, we'll come back. J-Mac, J-Mac, we still got plenty to discuss, including our first time this year going behind enemy lines. We will, from time to time, check in with someone who covers the Giants the Washington football team and or the Dallas Cowboys just to see what's happening in their neck of the woods that the Eagles are going to have to deal with twice, both uh, in season during the regular season and maybe even a playoff matchup in this upcoming year. Uh, Zach Rosenblatt from NJ.com will join us a little bit later. So Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank the international brotherhood of electrical workers local union 98 is a proud sponsor of the labor show with j doc and krause every saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds, and planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us. And be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Hour number two, a Monday get-together here on Birds 365. The Magamac Mac guy, John McMullen and Jody McDonald hanging with you. Um, thanks, Joe Santa Luquito. I didn't know Joe got banged up. Uh, and you wouldn't know either, because even though he might hop on the Zoom conferences, you guys don't get a chance to look at each other. You get to listen to each other, but you don't get a chance to look at each other. I didn't know Santa Liquido was on the, uh, yeah, I guess evidently, the IL uh, these days. Yeah, he was on the DL for a while. He got a concussion as well. So uh, he's been fighting through some stuff. So this was the first time he said uh, he was cognitively there. To where he could do a spot, so and uh, you can't be calling it the DL anymore. They've uh, injured list. Away okay. The injured list. Yeah. Which, I don't like yeah. that either, Jody. I don't like all the three point shots. I don't like all the strikeouts. I don't like injured list. I like disabled list. I'm going to keep the DL. Yeah, you, you and I both uh, only only called it that for 50 years. So why would we, why yeah. should we go about changing it now? Um, here's a question I have for you, uh, and it is a leading question that uh, if this were courtroom, you would object, and the uh, judge would sustain. Objection. It, is abso- it is absolutely leading. Uh, what quarterback <clears throat> for the Indianapolis Colts? will win the most games this year? Will it be Carson Wentz, Jacob Eason, or Sam Ellinger? 
<laughs> if you are one who believes that Carson Wentz might just go down again this year. This past year, Carson Wentz stayed pretty damn healthy. Never really dealt with any injury issues, which yeah. blew in the face of yeah. what the previous three seasons had been all about. At some point, Carson Wentz going down with an injury. Uh, you always go into the year believing your guy is going to be healthy and upright for all 16 games or 17 now. Uh, but uh, history is what history is. And Carson is an injury history quarterback. How do you think the Colts are going to uh, fare if their backup quarterback and or their backup's backup is actually got to get into the game this upcoming year? Boy, I got to tell you, Jody, that's one of those situations where Carson Wentz went down early, say in training camp, the offseason, something of that nature, uh, and it was a season-ending injury. I think they'd go outside the organization. I really do. I don't think they would count on uh, Jacob Eason or or Sam Ellinger. And Jacob, I think, was a, uh, I don't know, fourth or fifth round pick in 2020. And Ellinger was a sixth round pick this year. I think that's one of those situations where they go outside the organization, whether it's talking somebody out of retirement, making a trade for a veteran backup just trying to cobble it together and wishing, hey, we should have kept Jacoby for <laughs> Right, who ended up down in Miami, which I think is a pretty good landing spot for him. Um, would Philip Rivers be that guy? You call Phil and go, Boy, yeah, I would know you that, stepped away, but. I would make that call. I'll tell you that right away. I, that'd be the first call I would make. I, I mean, he's still going to coach high school football. In theory, he's still going to, you know, throw the rock around a little bit. Let's be honest. I mean, Phillip Rivers couldn't move at all for the last five, year, uh, five years of his career. He can still throw the football. It's the first call I would make. He knows the offense. See, I'm a fan of Jacob Eason. I thought, actually, he was going to be drafted higher than he was in the fourth round two years ago. I thought that was a very good value pick for the uh, Indian, uh, Indianapolis Colts where they got him. Um, I still think the kid has the potential to be a starter in the NFL. They had to go out when Rivers stepped aside. They had to go out and they had to uh, get a guy who had already won in the National Football League. If it had not been Carson Wentz, it would have been someone else. I don't think there was any way they were going to turn the team over to Jacob Beeson. Because remember last year, he didn't get a preseason even play in. No rookie quarterbacks no, who weren't just did. handed yeah. jobs got the chance to show whether they can or can't play in the league. So you're making all your value judgments by what they show you in practice, which as a fourth-round draft pick, Jacob Eason just wasn't going to be able to step up and do something like that. But with a full preseason this year, if it's like week one of the season, I think that's probably going to be a little late in the process. I think they're going to give Jacob Eason the chance. I was actually a little surprised that they uh, picked Ellinger when they did. I know sixth round is sixth round, and it's kind of a lottery ticker, ticker thing. Uh, and I thought <coughs> he was value at, at that point in the draft. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what the Colts are going to do. Well, I don't know. I will say Eason, you know, he, sort of an old school guy, probably 6'6". Six, six. I mean, he's big, two, 230, 235, uh, pocket passer. I don't know. I'm. I mean, when you talk about guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, as you mentioned, it's pretty much a lottery ticket. You know, sometimes you just a lot of teams in this league. 
think you should always take a developmental quarterback every one or two years. The Eagles are in that category. Um, and who knows? It is basically, um, you know, going to the convenience store and saying, hey, maybe the Mega Millions hits if this guy's forced to play. Um, I don't know if a team – the problem is, Jody, if you're a playoff team and the Colts come in as a, a, a playoff team expected to make the playoffs. Peter King's got them night best team in the National Football yeah. League. It's really tough to say, okay, we're going to ship gears to a young quarterback with no experience because um, you have a good supporting cast. Uh, your fan base has expectations. I just think it's really tough to do in the NFL. And and most teams will will go out and try to get that veteran quarterback just to try to stay competitive. But, yeah, anything can happen. Yeah, true. Uh, and uh, maybe I'm just too big a, a Eason fan, but your point about uh, expectations coming into the season being higher for the Colts, and certainly they are here in Philadelphia, is probably spot on. Um, the other thing that grabbed my attention a lot over the weekend, John, when it came to football was the ever growing list of teams that could have, should have, will have, have already shown interest in Julio Jones, who for some reason, the Atlanta Falcons seem very motivated to make an ex-Falcon, uh, at least that's the way that it was being portrayed this weekend. I don't quite get that. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I really don't. Especially after you make that decision, Jody, and say, "Okay, we're moving forward with Matt Ryan." I mean, okay, I get it. Um, I understand it. I actually agree with it. You can play late into your thirties, as we've seen at a high level at the quarterback position in modern football. Um, they're not going to be better than Matt Ryan, at least early, even if you take a young quarterback. So I get that. But then you have to take advantage of having Matt Ryan. And Julio Jones is part of that, as is Calvin Ridley and now Kyle Pitts as well. But if you take Julio out of that equation, it doesn't make sense to me that you move forward with, with Matt Ryan. So I don't get it at all, to be yeah. honest. That doesn't really make sense to me. And adding to the fact that you're right, if you stick with Matt Ryan, then you're saying, well, we're going to try and win games this year. We're going to bring in a new coach, new coaching staff, and think that's going to turn things around enough that we can be competitive for a, a playoff position. And if you are in that mode, then you don't trade one of the more talented receivers in the National Football League. And what makes even less sense to me is if you're going to go that direction – you make that call before the draft. You you go out and say, all right, we're going to go in a different – we're going to trade Julio Jones. You do so, and you get whatever draft picks, and I guarantee it's going to be at least a one and maybe a one plus. His contract is a little large. And, oh, by the way, teams have made a lot of their moves and don't have a lot of salary cap flexibility, which means his contract becomes a deterrent, yeah. uh, which is probably yeah. going to reflect itself – in what you get in return, uh, not only from a philosophical standpoint, do I not understand this from a logistical and timing standpoint? I don't get this either. Why would they trade Julio Jones now? Well, it's a June 1st thing. They'll, they'll save 15 million. They're cash strapped. It's always, you know, salary cap related. 
But again, yeah, you're right. You have to understand what you're going to do before that. One of the most overblown things about this salary cap thing, and we've had a lot of executives on, they've all explained the same thing. Yeah, it's a difficult environment. I'm not trying to say it isn't. With the with COVID scaling back the cap and you having less money than expected. <clears throat> but Jody, everybody knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming. So you had this plan in place or you should have had this plan in place. And all of a sudden this feels very seat, very fly by the seat of the pants to me from the Falcons perspective saying, oh, we can save $15 million post June 1st if we move Julio Jones or release him. He is 32 years old, so you say all that. But he's also five-time first-team All-Pro, consistent. You know, he's still playing at a really high level. The timing doesn't make sense for me from that perspective. The only thing that makes sense from the Falcons is they save some money. So that's the only thing this would be about, literally the only thing. And, oh, by the way, saving money does what for you? Nothing. It's not like you're going to be able to spend it yeah. on great free agents that are sitting out there. Most of the best free agents are already done and signed. Yeah. So yeah. are you just trying to put money back in the pocket of Arthur Smith? Is that what the Falcons are doing by contemplating this trade? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's tough to understand once you make that decision. It wouldn't be tough, and this is where I bring in planning. So, you know, You've made the decision. We're going to move forward with Matt Ryan. Once you make that decision, if you drafted a quarterback, if you drafted Justin Fields, I'd say, okay, you might as well might as well move on from the 32-year-old uh, you know, superstar. Better to get out a year early than a year late, blah, blah, blah. And let's build everything back up together. Once you make that decision to move forward with Matt Ryan, then I think you got to keep the band back together. And, oh, by the way, you want to take a guesstimate as to where you think Julio is going to land? Because, oh, I have a number one choice. Well, I would think New England, but, uh, you know, I think he's going to be in Atlanta. But I would say the Patriots would be Randy Mossing, the Falcons. Uh, Could very well be. I'll tell you where I think he's going to land. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, mm. including Julio Jones. It's a it's such a Gruden Mayock type move yeah. uh, because Mayock loved him when he came out in the draft almost a decade ago, uh, and Gruden just loves to add uh, key pieces, and he'll think that he can be smarter and turn Julio Jones around and get him back to the level of the best wide receiver in the league. Turn him around. He's still awesome. That's where he doesn't fit with the Raiders. He's too good for the Raiders. Yeah, uh, that, that would be my general uh, philosophy <laughs> as well, but Gruden will somehow attempt to take credit for rekindling the career of Julio Jones, which I don't think needs rekindling, as you just uh, alluded to. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, but I do think he'll probably be traded past June 1st. And that's an okay thing because who did Eagles open the season with this year, John? The Atlanta Falcons. In Atlanta. And I don't yeah. think Julio Jones will be there for that game. All right. Uh, yes, the Eagles play the Falcons week one, and they play the New York football Giants twice in this upcoming season. Peter King laid out his uh, rankings for the teams, power rankings to start the season. He had the Eagles fourth in the NFC East. He had the Giants second in the NFC East, actually ahead of the Cowboys. 
We're going to go behind enemy lines. Coming up next, uh, we will do this from time to time, drop in with someone who covers one of the teams that's on the Eagles' upcoming schedule for this year. That would be the Cowboys twice, the Washington football team twice, and the New York Giants twice. Zach Rosenblatt, who covers them for NJ.com, Giants beat reporter, joins us next here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Another week of Birds 365. Getting jump-started here on this Monday get-together. Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you. All right, we're going to give a little insight to the upcoming season for the Eagles. And that they have to face off against the New York Giants twice. We know the Giants weren't happy with the Eagles at the end of last season. Wonder why, week 17. Uh, here to set, shed some insight on both the Giants' roster coming up and, yes, how mad they still are up the turnpike. Uh, is Zach Rosenblatt. He covers the Giants for uh, NJ.com. Zach, Jody Mack and Johnny Mack here. How you doing? How's your offseason going? It's uh, it's not so bad. It's uh, 
the Giants had an exciting offseason. Obviously, they did a lot of stuff, which is always good for my purposes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's good. And then the weather's getting nice now, so can't complain. Yeah, it is good. Good to see you, Zach. Um, you, uh, you mentioned all the things Dave Gettleman did in the offseason. I think the last time the Giants went heavy in the free agency, they were very successful. Kind of, I think, Jerry Reese's last year. They won 11 games since then. They've kind of fallen off. And now, was that sort of a decree from John Merritt to say, hey, we've got to go get into this thing, into this uh, uh, playoff race, not only the NFC East, but uh, the NFC as a whole, uh, because they made a lot of moves in free agency, a lot of high-profile moves. Yeah, um, I, John Merritt definitely has said on multiple occasions, like, I'm, I'm tired of losing. You know, they've made the playoffs once in the last nine years. Um, and that was that one year you were talking about, which is, you know, they spent all that money to make it the one year and then everything fell apart again after that. So, like, it was that's not what you want when you spend a bunch of money in free agency. You need it to last more than a year, obviously. But, um, you know, I think the message at the end of last season was they were very happy with the progress. You know, they were almost in the playoffs. They did well in the division. You know, I, I think they were kind of ignoring the fact that it was the worst division in the league. But they, they did go 6-10, and 10, which is an improvement. And they were playing better at the end of the year. There was some excitement. And you could tell that like really helped Dave. Like he, th there wasn't even a consideration that he would be fired or anything like that. So I, I think there's definitely a win now mandate. I, I don't think they would have approved spending as much, much money as they did. I mean, they've Leonard Williams sixty three million, Kenny Galladay seventy two, Dory Jackson thirty nine, and then they even gave Kyle Rudolph like twelve million dollars, and he's like a you know an aging tight end. So uh, and they and they did all that stuff in the draft. So I it. it it's a it's been an interesting offseason because they, they clearly are doing a win now decree, but at the same time they also are sticking with Daniel Jones, which is going to be kind of like their make or break. And they didn't do any moves really on the offensive line, which was a, a risky move considering it wasn't very good last year. But they're kind of banking on developing these young guys, so they're they're kind of putting all their marbles in the basket of the QB, the offensive line, and a bunch of guys with injury history. So there's a lot of risk here, but I think there's also a lot of potential on this team. From the outside looking in, and you've got a better inside look than us, and that's why we have you on uh, the show with us today. Uh, you're right, Giants didn't make many changes along the offensive line. Outside, wide receivers, drafted a running back. Yes, uh, certainly gave more weapons and tight end, uh, more weapons for Daniel Jones, but didn't take care of the interior. Is part of that they expect a contribution from Nate Soldier? You talk about free agent acquisition. They spent a lot of money a couple of years ago to bring Nate Soldier in, uh, not great first year, opt out last year, still under contract, making big bucks, big cap hit from Nate Soldier. Uh, I've heard very little as to his prospects for this upcoming season. What do the Giants think they can get out of Nate Soldier this year? Well, it's funny you say it because, you know, the, they, they came out of free agency a couple of years ago and they made him the richest offensive lineman free agent in NFL history. Um, and now, ideally, he doesn't play this year, I would say. Um, you know, they, they have a young, they have two guys they drafted last year, and Andrew Thomas at left tackle. He's locked in as a starter. And they have Matt Pert, who they drafted in the third round, who they want to win. They're, he's going to compete with Solder for right tackle. What Solder hasn't played since his rookie year as, at the same time. Like, it's interesting. I didn't think they were going to bring Solder back. I thought they would just cut him. He agreed to, like, a significant pay cut. Um, you know, he opted out last year, like you mentioned. He had his worst year of his career the year before that. Um, and he's their swing tackle now. And odds are he's going to have to play at some point this year because, you know, mo most teams got at this point, people don't play 16 games very often, it seems like. So um, I would say expectations aren't very high for him, though the team really does like him. He's a leader. Uh, he has the Patriots background, Joe Judge, and previously. But, um, yeah, it's, it's funny because, like you said, like he, they spent so much money on him and 
it's it's essentially his third year of his deal, and he's expected to be a backup. So, Zach, I do want to go back to the draft because that's such an interesting part of this for the Eagles and the yeah. fact that uh, they jumped ahead of the Giants uh, to get to number 10 to take Devontae Smith. I look at the Giants and I look at their playmakers, and they, you mentioned the contract with Kenny Galladay. They have Sterling Shepard. They have Darius Slayton. They ultimately moved back and drafted Kadarius Tony. But even before that, were the Giants really looking at Devontae Smith? Why did they need a receiver at number 10 overall? Well, I, I think they would have drafted him, absolutely. I think that was their plan. And I think the Eagles knew that. I don't think it was that much of a secret. Um, the, the interesting question, I think, is – you know, that, that offer they got from the Bears was so good that, like, I, I don't know if I would rather that offer or if I would rather Devontae Smith from the Giants' perspective. I know it made sense for the Eagles to to go and get Devontae, obviously. I think it's a little different. But like, like you said, yeah, they have these guys, but at the same time, I don't think any of these receivers they have are necessarily sure things. You know, Kenny Galladay only played four games last year. Sterling Shepard has had injury history throughout his career, and I, I don't I think after this year he's a potential cap casualty. Darius Slayton is talented, but he's uh, also nearing the end of his contract in a couple of years, and he didn't do as well down the stretch last year. He was kind of banged up. So I, I think they see a lot of question marks, and I think the guy they drafted, I think they view as more than just a receiver at the same time. They view him as a guy who can come out of the backfield, can go in the slot, can play returner. Um, they can even do wildcat plays with him if they really wanted to. Um, so I, I just think they were they were really going for the best player available type thing, which is why they would have picked Smith there instead of an offensive lineman, for example. Uh, I, I really don't think they're picking for need, and I think that's kind of pushing towards Joe Judge kind of influencing a lot of what they're doing now because I think Dave Gettleman in the past would chase need where I th- it seems like they're getting a lot smarter about, you know, they waited to pick Aziz Ojolari in the second round. They, they traded back, and he was still there. He was a guy they would have considered in the first round, and he was there at number 50. So I, I really think it was a value thing. They, they really thought Devontae was a number one guy, and I think they are very high on Kadarius Tony at the same time. It's going to make me seem like I'm offensive line uh, driven here, and that's not a bad place to be. (laughs) Obsessed might be. Uh, But I'm going back to the offensive line with my second question. Last year, the Giants had issues on their offensive line, not only on the field, but in coaching as well. Major (laughs) breakdown between the players and the coach and the head coach and the offensive line coach. And he was blown out in season, which you almost never see a positional coach fired in the middle of the year. Um, who was a guy who their offensive coordinator was certainly heavy-handed in in bringing in, uh, used to coach under Coach Garrett when they were in Dallas together. Um, supposedly, Joe Judge and Jason Garrett were able to put it behind them and still get along and still have a very good relationship going forward to this season. At least that's what's being said. Do you buy it? Uh, there's pretty big divide between the head coach and the offensive side of the football last year, most of it having to do with the offensive line, the offensive line coach. What is the Garrett-Judge relationship like going into this season? You know, I, I, it's, a, it's a good question because, I mean, the offense was bad last year. They were the second-worst team in terms of scoring, and they still went 6-10. and 10, So that tells you that if the offense is even a little bit better, they win that division probably pretty easily. Um, and, I, and, and the thing is, that if, if Joe Judge – didn't have a good enough relationship with Jason Garrett. I don't know if he would be back this year. So they brought Jason Garrett back. I think they're giving him a lot of the benefit of the doubt. You know, last year, no preseason, young offensive line. The first four weeks of last season, they view as kind of like their preseason. Jason Garrett said at one point around the season, he was still trying to figure out what everybody's good at on his team kind of thing, which is you don't love to hear, but I mean, he's being honest, I guess. Um, and so I, I, I think they're, you know, Dan, first year, Daniel Jones in that system, 
um, you know, and 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 the weird offseason. Like, I, I just think they were giving Jason a lot of the benefit of the doubt, and he has to kind of pay it forward this year. If Daniel Jones doesn't progress, if the offense isn't significantly better, um, he's going to lose his job, I think, almost for sure. Um, and he wants to be head coach again, as everybody knows. I mean, he interviewed for the Chargers one. That probably was never serious. Um, <clears throat> that, that, I mean, him, him along with Daniel Jones are their two biggest questions because it, it, it was a very, like, boring offense they ran last year. They didn't take many risks down the field. Now they have all the weapons around them. Jason Garrett has run offenses that have a lot of weapons before, and they've been pretty successful. So, I mean, he, he, there's no excuses for him anymore. Like, he, he, this offense just can't be as bland and boring as well. And, and Saquon Barkley getting hurt, I forgot to mention, too, was a, a part of their yeah. – because they built that offense around him, and then he was gone, and, and then they didn't really have a backup plan. So I, I think they have more talent if that were to happen again to stomach it. But um, Jason Garrett, just he needs to do a better job. There's no question about that. Yeah, and Zach, I can't believe we got this far without talking about Saquon Barkley. I mean, you, you mentioned the offensive struggles. I mean, if that guy's out there for 16 games, 17 now, uh, which maybe it's a little pie in the sky to expect that, but the just the running threat and the receiving threat out of the backfield, he's in that, you know, whether it's Christian McCaffrey healthy, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, whoever you want to talk about is the best running backs in this league. Saquon Barkley's got to be at the top of the conversation. If he's healthy, how much better does he make that offense by himself? Uh, I mean, significantly. I mean, like you said, his multi-dimensionality, I think, is a big part of it. Um, he's still not like a perfect running back. He needs to work on his pass protection and, and some other things. But, yeah, he – I mean, it's always – You'd always wonder how a guys gonna come look coming off ACL. I, you mentioned Dalvin Cook, like his first year coming off, he wasn't that great. Then the year after that is when he started dominating again. So it, it's gonna be very. He is a Saquon's obviously a freak of nature physically, so I think everybody kind of assumes he's gonna be fine, which is probably a fair assumption. But yeah, I mean he he's the offense is still gonna run through him. That's been their goal. They've they they don't hide it. They they want to be like a team that that pounds the ball and is able to run the ball really effectively. Um, and the fact that they have better receivers that, in, in theory, should be better at getting open than they were last year should help a lot. They have two tight ends now. Um, a lot of it will come down to the offensive line, which they, before Saquon got hurt, the run blocking was pretty bad. It got better. But, yeah, I mean, it, he he kind of changes everything for them. He's They want him to be the face of their team. Um, he has a, a contract coming, so he's a lot of motivation this year. Um, and it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out for him because he, he needs to prove that he can stay healthy. The last two years he's been banged up. Um, and he's heading into a contract here. I mean, they're they're probably going to pay him regardless. But uh, if he can come out and look even eighty percent of what he was before the injury for this first year, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape. You would think. Second consecutive year, the Giants made a play, pretty aggressive play on the free agent market for a cornerback. Last year, they paid James Bradbury a lot of money, and guess what? He played up to that contract. Had a phenomenal year for them this year. Adoree Jackson who a lot of Eagle fans were speculating and hoping that he would land here in Philadelphia. Instead, landed up the turnpike with the Giants. Uh, I thought a pretty high number for what uh, Dory Jackson, in my opinion, brings to the table. But again, uh, Giants can look back and say, look, we, we picked the right guy last year. We're going to pick the right guy this year again. How does Dory Jackson fit into the scheme as the cornerback uh, across from Bradbury and the Giants defense this season? Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I think everybody agrees they probably overpaid him, especially because he had just been cut um, and he was making less than the – so that in theory the Giants could have just, you know, given the Titans a seventh-round pick or whatever. But, I mean, they clearly really – I don't think they expected him to be available. I don't think their goal was to pursue, like, a top-end cornerback like that. I think they really like him. 
uh, his versatility. They think he can play inside and outside. Uh, when, when he has played, he has he, he's not someone that like gets a lot of interceptions, but he's he gets a lot of pass deflections and he's he's played pretty well when he's been healthy. Last year was a weird year for him. You know, they play like three games towards the end of the year, which is kind of strange. But um, I think they're very high in him. I, this defense really does value versatility. And Patrick Graham is one of the more creative defensive coordinators in the league, I think. Um, and and then you have James Bradbury on the other side, who was one of the you know probably five best corners last year. And so I think that gives the Dory a little more freedom to – I mean, he's probably going to get targeted a lot more than he has been in the past because people are, in theory, going to avoid James Bradbury. But um, I, there's they really – they showed this offseason, last offseason, you know, they spent money on Logan Ryan. They drafted uh, cornerbacks early this year and last year, Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes. They have Jabril Peppers. They drafted Xavier McKinney last year. Um, so they're, they're kind of like building from the back to the front on the, on this defense. I think that's kind of their philosophy. I think that's a Patriots-esque philosophy. They used to, they always do that. And I, I think you're going to see if that if that pays off. Because secondary had been an issue for a long time for the Giants, but I think it's their biggest strength. And on paper, this is maybe one of the more talented secondaries in the league. But Adore is, is a question mark for sure, especially because he was banged up last year. And, you know, he hasn't he hasn't shown necessarily that he deserved the money he the Giants gave him, but – you know, in free agency, you're, you got to overpay to get guys a lot of times. So, yeah, Zach, I agree with you. That's secondary. Make sure you read Zach's work, by the way, covering the Giants does a phenomenal job and njonline.com. I think that uh, the secondary looks like the best in the NFC East at the bare minimum. I think on paper, it looks like one of the best in the NFL. Um, the concern is the front seven, particularly the pass rush, but the one significant loss I look at was Dalvin Tomlinson. How are they going to replace him? I thought he was a really good player. And then edge rush, is Aziz Ojolari enough to give this team? I thought that was really the significant weakness last season. Yeah, it's, you know, I think they definitely are going to miss Dalvin Tomlinson because, you know, the and this ties into edge rusher too, the, they had 40 sacks last year, which ranked like the top 10 to 12. Yeah. And that was with an edge rusher group that was not very good. Um, they were playing, you know, seventh round picks and undrafted guys, but and that kind of shows you the creativity of Patrick Graham. And I think they're going to do a lot of creative things with that secondary. And you know, they have three good safeties, and one of them will, you know, probably blitz a bunch. And and so I, I think they believe in Patrick Graham's ability to rush the passer, which is why they didn't feel like they needed to, you know, I mean, they, they tried signing Leonard Floyd actually early in free agency, which would would have kept them from signing Kenny Galladay, I would imagine, in theory. So that would be an interesting what if there. But the Rams wound up keeping him. But yeah, I mean, I. Dalvin Thompson kind of frees – he's one of those guys that is underappreciated, you know, among fans and around the league because he's he, like, clears stuff up for everybody else. Um, I think that they they valued Leonard Williams more than him, clearly, and I think it, it's fair to see why Leonard Williams was their only pass rusher last year. He had 11 and a half sacks. He was dominant. He earned the money he got. Um, so they're, they're going to replace Dalvin, like, with a committee. You know, they signed Danny Shelton, a veteran guy from the Patriots days. They had a guy named Austin Johnson who's a nose tackle – and they, they signed uh, Fadio Denningbo from the Vikings, who's a decent passer. So, like, none of these guys, like, jump off the page. But I think they believe in their ability to rotate a bunch of guys that nose tackle and and try and, and stop it. And, and they like – you know, they're, they have Blake Martinez, inside linebacker. He had a pretty good year. And and so, I, I, they're, they're really – I think they're, a lot of this is depending on the on the back end and, and those guys stepping up. But, yeah, they, I mean, the pass rush needs to be better for sure. The odds of Leonard Williams doing 11 half sacks again aren't that high, I would think. So you need Ojolari to come in and play right away. He's going to be a starter, I think. Lorenzo Carter coming off an Achilles injury. Shane Zyman is coming off an injury. And so there's none of the, there's nobody really proven in that group. So they kind of are just banking on somebody breaking out. And that, that's that's risky for sure. 
Zach, uh, let me ask you an evaluative hypothetical question. Let's say the Giants are similar to last year's Giants, a little, slightly better. We got 11 games, so we'll give them uh, maybe eight wins. They're somewhere about an eight and 19. But eight and 19 has got you to week 18 in the NFC least because I don't think anybody's going to run away and hide. So they're right there in the same position that they were this past season. Joe Judge certainly safe. If Daniel Jones of an eight and nine team is in the bottom half of the quarterback rankings, you use whatever metric you think is most telltale touchdown passes, completion percent, whatever it is. He's in the bottom half. He's not buried down at the very bottom in the 29, 30, 31, 32 range, but he's not in the top half either. He's somewhere in the lower tw- um, upper 20s, let's say. Who makes the decision that Daniel Jones is no longer the quarterback of the New York Giants? Does Dave Gettleman get to keep his job? Is he the one who makes the decision or is one of the Maras the one who makes the decision? And they do so by selecting a new general manager who might make that decision that the Maras think should be made. It's an interesting scenario. And I think a very realistic one, um, because, like you said, like I think they have a good, they have enough talent to like be competing for the division at the end of the year. But what that looks like is kind of the it's like the context is what matters. Like they were six and ten last year, but they were division contenders. So I mean, the Giants spun that as a positive. I think you could have spun that as you were a six win team at the end of the day. Um, so it, that, that, that's and that, that's kind of like the rub here because it's hard to. I think John Mara has a tendency to stick with guys longer than he should. Um, you know, they did that with Eli. They did that a little bit with Coughlin and. Um, and so it, it, I'm very curious to see how they'll play. I think the Daniel Jones factor, one thing that they have going for them is with that Bears trade they made last year, which uniquely like Dave Gettleman making that trade when he's in theory on the hot seat was interesting because it was like a, a down-the-line trade. So they have yeah. an extra first. I don't think the Bears are going to be especially amazing. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about the Bears, I, I, I don't, especially if they're playing a rookie quarterback, and I don't think their offensive line is very good. So they, in theory, if the if the Giants go 8-9, and nine, like you said, so that you know puts them around the same draft pick as they had this year in the 10 to – 12 range or whatever they missed the playoffs and then you have the bears pick if that's top 10 they can go and get a quarterback if they really like somebody in this draft so i, I think in that scenario maybe they they do move on from daniel jones because then he he's also you know coming up on a new contract at the same time and uh the dave gettleman factor um a little more i mean i i, I wouldn't be surprised if in the coming years he heads towards retirement i don't he, he won't say that he is he is up there in age um he's 70 so uh it i, I don't know that that's a very i don't know if i have a definitive answer i would say Maybe they move on from Daniel Jones and and Gettleman is 50-50. But I could also see them, you know, deciding that they want to keep going with those guys because they were just close enough there again. Let me ask you a question. Interesting way you uh, depicted it, and you might be dead on right. If Gettleman decides to step aside, that he gets one of those, will be a consultant for the Giants, but not the everyday general manager type deals. We've seen enough of those over years in the NFL. Usually when something like that happens, someone is elevated within the organization. They don't go out and have a search for another general manager that comes in from another team. Is there a guy under Gettleman now that has got that kind of gravitas and is respected within the organization, a.k.a. by the Maris, um, that could step in and take that job if the Giants were able to go that way? So the answer is both yes, and I think the fan base would be pretty upset if they move on from Gettleman. And Because the, 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 one of the problems the Giants have had um, is they kind of keep it in the family, so to speak. Like Dave Gettleman's a guy that had been with the Giants for a long time before they hired him. Um, and, and the guy that you're talking about that would be next line is Kevin Abrams. He's been like their salary cap guy and their assistant GM for 
like 20 years. He's been in the, he's been in the front office for like 20 years or something. And and in theory, he's always been like the next in line guy. But I don't know if that's the biggest change you want to make. And with Joe Judge in the building, I wonder if he would want to go and hire somebody from his you know the Patriots tree. There's a lot of executives like that. Um, and 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 that's another thing where I'm very interested. To see, you know, hiring Joe Judge and he's kind of influenced a lot of the way they do things. They, he's changed a lot of things in the building. I wonder if that would extend to John Mara's process for hiring a GM. Because in the past, like I said, he's just stuck with guys that they know. So um, that, that Kevin Abrams would certainly be a candidate. Um, they, they did hire a guy from the Lions named Kyle O'Brien, who was the number two to uh, Bob Quinn for the last few years. I don't know if he'd be that exciting of a hire either, but if you want somebody who hasn't been with the Giants forever, he'd be another internal candidate. Um, but, yeah, I, I would I would hope they would actually do shirts because one of the biggest criticisms the fans had when they hired Gettleman in uh, 2018 <laughs> is that they didn't really do a, a big search. They talked to Abrams. They talked to Gettleman. Talked to Mark Ross, who was still in the Giants building, and they interviewed uh, Lewis Riddick. Uh, and but I think the intention was to hire Gettleman the whole time, and I, I think fans were pretty upset with that, especially because of the results that we've seen the last few years. All right, for those who don't remember, Zach used to cover the Eagles, so before he went up to cover the Giants, so I do want to get the outside perspective of how Giants fans are looking at the Eagles. Because nationally, the latest being Peter King, nobody thinks much of this team. I think yeah. you realize that, Zach. Um, you know, it has to do mainly with the head coach and the quarterback. Just want to get that outside perspective. The the Giants fans look at the Eagles games as a couple of gimmies this year. And I don't know if necessarily they look at them as gimmies. I, I think historically, when one of those, even when those team, one of those teams is terrible, those games always wind up being yeah. weird. Um, but I mean, I mean, we haven't really talked about it that you like referred to it earlier. Like, I think Giants and Eagles fans hate each other as much now as they have in a long time, and it's exciting for me. Like, I really, anytime you tweet something, I'm the I'm a Giants writer now. Anytime I tweet something about the Eagles, you get the fans fighting in the comments. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, it pretty much all started with that Week 17 thing with Doug. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because Doug's not here, Carson's not here anymore. Like Nate Sudfeld's not here anymore. A lot of those guys aren't here anymore. But you had that, and then. You know, you had the Devontae Smith trade. I think Giants fans were upset in the moment about that. Um, I know Jabril Peppers tweeted something like where it was kind of like making fun of how Devontae Smith didn't really yeah. look that excited in his team photos. Um, and then, like, the fans were fighting about that. And I don't know. I, I think there's more juice in the rivalry than there's been in a long time. Whether either of these teams are actually any good this year, like, I think that's definitely up for debate. I don't. I think the Giants, you know, on paper should be a lot better, but you could also see a scenario where they're not very good. And I think the Eagles, like you said, people are expecting them to not be good. I, you know, I, I think I would, it also wouldn't shock me if they surprised people, obviously, because we've seen that before with them. So it, it's in, I'm excited for the Eagles-Giants games this year. I don't know if Giants fans think the Eagles are terrible. I'm sure they do. But I think a lot of it has to do with just kind of like the hatred kind of rising again. And, and the fans being in the stands for those games is going to be fun because in the past years, you know, the Eagles fans have taken over MetLife. Yeah. The Giants were so bad. A lot of times when those games, especially when they were late in the year, Giants fans already given up. So you, it would be mostly Eagles fans in the stadium. I, I don't know if it necessarily would be that this year if the Giants are competitive again, and that's exciting to me. I'm excited to get the fans back in there and, and you know, seeing some crazy stuff happening, tailgates and all that stuff. From the game-within-the-game perspective, you mentioned it earlier that this is a judgment year for Daniel Jones. Gave him a bunch of offensive weapons. Um, hasn't stepped up and stamped himself as a franchise quarterback yet. So this could be a Giants decide to go in another direction offseason because they've got draft assets that could uh, give them the possibility of doing that. Oh, by the way, the Philadelphia Eagles in the same exact position – 
Jalen Hurts very much a proven type year. And if they want to go in another direction at the end of the season, they've got the wherewithal to do that. So the matchup between these two quarterbacks and the two games they play this year are not only Giants versus Eagles, but I'm going to claim the quarterback position for my organization type matchups. Who's in better position right now? The Eagles with their current quarterback or the Giants with their current quarterback? Wow, that's a really good question. You know, the interesting thing with Hurts is that, you know, he like it, the coaching staff isn't the one that drafted him. Um, and he was a second round pick. So in theory, like, I don't know, like if he's bad, then I don't think they would feel too bad about moving on from him kind of thing. But, you know, Daniel Jones, this is his third year. He hasn't been good for two years. Joe Judd didn't necessarily draft him, even though he's defended him. Like I don't, as I would say, you know, who's safer out of the two? Probably Daniel Jones, maybe, just because they've invested so much in putting stuff around him. And I think that, you know, the, the Eagles are trying to build something with young guys. And if I don't think Howie, if if uh, if Jalen is bad this year, I don't think he would hesitate to draft somebody or you know make a blockbuster trade. I know everybody's you know speculating about Deshaun Watson or whatever, but yeah, I mean that's a very interesting question. I, and you could wind up, you know, if if it's the end of the year and those two guys are going against each other for, you know, to make the playoffs or whatever, like it, it, that game could decide which quarterback is there long-term too. So that's, that's a, I didn't even think about that. And it's going to be, that's going to be fun to see too. You know, hopefully both those guys work out because the NFC is better when there's good quarterbacks. So that's true. Hopefully, hopefully both those guys, like I, there's a lot of questions, you know, Dak Prescott's the only one you could say is good and even he's coming off an injury. So um, I, it'd be, it, it, those two, and those two guys are like such different like talent <laughs> personalities like it'd be fun to have like a you know an Eli Manning versus Donovan McNabb type thing going on again last one from me Zach want to thank you for hopping on of course. it's Daniel Jones um what do you think of him from a personal level is it just ball security is does he have everything else to be a successful quarterback in this league and can you fix that I mean different position but Tiki Barber with the Giants is a perfect example of the guy that had real significant ball security issues managed to turn it around you don't see that happen that often though yeah you know obviously i've had to think about daniel jones's like talent his potential a lot i, th- I think one, one way i've thought about it is i think he's not as bad as like everybody outside new york thinks he is like that he has like a reputation of being like one of the worst i don't think he's one of the worst quarterbacks necessarily i also don't think he's as good as the giants think he is where they're, you know, passionately defending him. And, you know, we think he could be the guy. Like, a lot of times when they're defending him, a lot of the points they hit are about his competitiveness and, you know, how much they respect him and all this stuff. And when you're not talking about the football skills when you're defending a guy, I think that's pretty telling a lot of times. But I, I don't know. I, I think last year was alarming. Like, he only – I know it wasn't his fault. The offensive line was bad. The receivers were dropping balls. They weren't getting open. But you can't throw 11 touchdowns in 14 games. Like, that's almost impossible in the modern NFL to only throw 11 in 14 games where you played almost the entire game. Um so I, I think his ceiling probably isn't like superstar. I think his ceiling is probably like a guy, as they say, you can win with, not one that's going to win for you kind of thing. Like, But he also, like you said, the turnovers, I mean, I, I, he got better with it last year. Um, his decision-making is still questionable in a lot of ways. He holds on to the ball too long sometimes. His ability to run is way better than I expected. Like he, he's, he's a legit mobile quarterback, and I think that kind of helps him quite a bit. But, yeah, I, I would say his ceiling is to you know be a you know solid – you know, I don't know, like Alex Smith type guy that can kind of run the offense and get things done, but maybe he's not going to go out and win you games. That's why you need a great defense, which I think they're trying to build, and you need like a great running game and some weapons on the outside. So 
I mean, I mean, it's it's gonna be very interesting to see how he plays if if he's not as good as the Giants say he is, and you know, a lot of people are gonna lose their jobs. So they're banking a lot on this kid. The only uh, thing that I worry about, uh, maybe even more so than ball security, is his ability not to trip over the ten yard line because <laughs> that is the most memorable play from last year's Eagles. Eagles tweet that anytime you say something about mean about the Eagles or something, they immediately like start tweeting. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. But what they, what they leave out is that they scored at the end of that drive. Yeah. So, right, you know. sure. It's a cheap joke, but I, I'm just going to take no, no, it. It's like, it's funny, hanging though. curveball, you have to take a swing when someone I mean, throws it. It's so it. ridiculous, too, because he has an 80-yard run. and, he, and he, nobody yeah, tripped He tripped by himself, the 10-yard so. line. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> thanks for giving me the grief that I deserve. I Instead, <laughs> I'm going to give you grief and your Giants team grief because a big story this week was the fact that a uh, lawsuit against the Giants for a culture of violence amid the organization. Uh, I covered the Giants for a lot of years working for FAN. I know the way the Maras do business. I know how they hold themselves. I know how I look at that organization as a class organization. Always have, still believe that's the case today. But this is not good. The guys who are bringing the lawsuit, a 30-year employee who says he was fired because he complained about violence within the organization. How is that playing up there in North Jersey right now? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it kind of came a little out of nowhere. And like you said, that guy was in the org. I forget what I'm liking on what his name was, but he was a video coordinator for a long time in, uh, in that organization. David Maltese, I think his name was. Maltese, um, correct. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's alarming for sure. The Giants pride themselves on being like a professional organization. And, you know, I, I, everybody who comes through the Giants organization tends to have good things to say about it. But, like, the, there's some alarming stuff on this. Um, their their passion their their statement they released was that they're pa- they're going to passionately or whatever they're going to passionately argue this and defend themselves against this former employee and but there was some alarming stuff in there about the violence and there was you know even one the one story that stood out like when I read it uh, it was like a I mean in the in the lawsuit so it's alleged obviously but um, Dave Guglielmo who is their offensive line coach he was an assistant offensive line coach when the incident happened in 2004 where he like tackled this guy into a table and said, I'm going to kill you, apparently. And, and then he was the guy they hired back this last year, and they fired Mark Colombo, like you mentioned. So if, if that happened and then they brought him back, like that's alarming as well. Um, but, you know, they, they get their day in court, or, or if it goes to court, I imagine these, these kind of things often don't wind up going to court, I guess. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the legal stuff. <laughs> well, but um, Yeah, I mean, it, it was it – was, it's funny. There's always – Something like it. You, n- you never go free for an off season with you and no, no. I mean, you covered the Eagles, John. You know this. Yeah. Well, as anyone, like you, you just when you think you, all right, I can just relax. There's nothing going on. Finally, um, somebody gets arrested or there's a, <laughs> organizational <laughs> violence or like it. Something you, you always know. pops up. That's Bill Parcells' famous thing. Four or yeah. five things happen every day in the NFL that you don't want to happen. That's yep. what he always tells his guys. And so I'm hoping this was the last one for me this offseason. I don't like I don't like that. Like fans a lot of times like think that we're trying to make the team look bad on purpose. So I, like, I don't want to cover a guy getting arrested. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want any of that stuff to happen. I want to just cover football and write about these guys and their backgrounds and stuff like that. So I hate it when the stuff pops up, but I also got to cover it because it's my job. So that or go out into the woods because between the beard and where you're shooting uh, from <laughs> today in the background, looks like you're ready to go all Grizzly Adams on us. <laughs> so we appreciate you taking a couple of minutes before you go out and hit the trail, Zach. Thanks for it. Hunting, you know, yeah. we'll uh, hit you up during the season. We appreciate you coming on with us today. Thanks, Thanks for having me, guys. It was a great time.
That is Zach Rosenblatt, uh, as John mentioned. Covered the Eagles for years, now does the Giants for NJ.com. Over the upcoming weeks, we'll get a Redskin guy on. We'll get a Cowboy guy on. When we get closer to the regular season, we'll start touching base with each of the teams on the Eagles season schedule coming up this year. Uh, We'll always try and keep you informed, Eagles fans, right here on Birds 365. All right, Mac and Mac, guys, a couple of minutes left. What are we going to do next? Come back. Put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. That makes us Mac and Mac. Birds 365. Open it up a work week. Hope you enjoyed uh, both Joe Santo Liquido and uh, Zach Rosenblatt for hopping on as guests with us today. Uh, one last question I must put to you, John McMullen, and I, I fear this is the case. Did you go on NFL.com this weekend and order yourself a number 85 Tim Tebow, Jacksonville Jaguars jersey. I, I, I'm thinking maybe you did. No, come on. 
If, if, if it's not, I'm not a Jersey guy, Jody. You know, I got to I gotta I'm, be straight I'm thinking down. about getting a Greg Ward one. In case you haven't picked yeah. up on it yet, I'm a bit of a Greg Ward fan, and I'm almost tempted to back my defense of Greg Ward by actually going out and getting his jersey. I don't I don't blame you. I I think you might be the biggest Greg guy, Greg Ward guy in the world. I think I you're a bigger the fan club. I, I if I'm not, I'm up for uh, election. Yeah. I, think I think you're I a bigger Greg Ward guy than Greg Ward, to be honest. <laughs> Who you know um now Greg, in all seriousness, is a is a great guy. Very much very similar to what I talk about Jalen Hurts. I just don't see the upside. Tremendous hard worker. Does everything well, technique, fundamentally, intangibles. I just don't think he's good enough from a skill set standpoint to have a high ceiling. And the Eagles are trying to get better. Maybe they can't get better. That that, but I said that's a bad situation if they can't get better. And I think they will be able to get better. That's why Nick Sirianni's here. Uh, to be honest, is the development of younger players. I mentioned that earlier in the show. That's what he's supposed to excel at. That's what this coaching staff is supposed to excel at. And guys like Jalen Rager got to get on the right track on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. Too many names to mention. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of receivers. JJ, you mentioned JJ. He's an afterthought to most people. Right. Quez Watkins, John Hightower. I remember Barrett, uh, was it who? Uh, Mike Quick said wonderful things about John Hightower. I, I don't see that either. I Somebody's got to step up. Uh, maybe it ends up being Greg Ward. If that's the case, maybe uh, maybe I'll, I'll wear the Greg Ward jersey if he leads the team. I'll, in the I'll get you. If he's That'll leading be our the Eagles, first bet. That'll if be a he first is leading bet. the Eagles in receptions again, again, let me use that word, again this year, come Christmas, I will personally buy you the Greg Ward jersey for Christmas, McMullen, and I will force you to wear it on Birds 360. That'll, that'll be know. our first bet. And I will say things have gone horribly wrong. And the no! Eagles will be in the will top five in the draft. The Eagles will be top five in the draft picking a different quarterback. So if Greg Ward does well, it's not good for Jalen Hurts. All right, fair enough. Uh, and the reason I brought that up was Tebow. Uh, see, hey. and this is... I, I get attacked on this on a national basis when I do my national show, kind of like you do here on Birds 365, when people misinterpret, like I did today. Well, you no, you didn't earlier. misinterpret. I was clearing it up for fans. I know what you mean. I'm clearing up for fans because once you use that word, then the, then the deluge comes in. Oh, McMullen hates Jalen Hurts. McMullen hates Greg Ward, blah, 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 blah. Tim Tebow, look, that's why the Jacksonville Jaguars did this. He's not going to make the football team. But they you are don't gonna think he's going to make the team? No. They are going to sell a bunch of jerseys. Urban Meyer is going to keep this guy. I'm telling you. Well, he then... will find a way to justify the fact that Tebow is on his team. All 17 weeks? Maybe not. And I don't know which would be worse, cutting him preseason or cutting him in-season. But I'm telling you, I think he's going to make this team. Well, uh, if he makes that team, Jody, I will say Urban Meyer is not going to last long in Jacksonville because if he's making those types of decisions, and he already made a bad decision with the strength coach. I forget his name. Chris Doyle, I think, who had right. some really big issues. Um, he's making some bad decisions. Yeah, you can get away. You know how these coaches are in these college fiefdoms. You know, they control it. They control the narrative. They bully reporters who are often young kids in college. 
You can't do that in the NFL. And it's not it, – he, he does not see obvious things. Like, if you didn't see the blowback of signing Tim Tebow – and by the way, I think it's overblown. I think it's like, who cares? But nonetheless, the fact that you didn't see this was coming, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. Even dealing with the fear of sounding like John McMullen, let me say this. If Tim Tebow makes the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I think he will, wow. that'll that'll be a really bad sign for the Jacksonville Jaguars that they they can in any way, shape, or form justify keeping Tim Tebow. It's a bad sign. But I think that's what's going to happen. I think it'll be a bad, bad sign for the Jaguars, except for the fact that they're making money on selling his jersey. I read this this weekend. I don't know if you saw this, John. It is the fifth time that for at least one day, Tim Tebow's jersey was the leading selling jersey in that sport on that day. The day he was drafted by yeah. the Broncos, the day he signed with the Jets, the day he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah. the, this past one when he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he once had the number one selling jersey for one day in Major League Baseball when he signed with the Mets. His jersey was the number one selling jersey yeah. in baseball. And he had no chance to ever make it to the big leagues. People love I, the guy. And you see, you, you see all these jerseys in those, you know, if you go to the grocery store shop, right, you see those things at the back of the parking lot to put your old clothes in. A lot of them there, a lot of them in third world countries because nobody's wearing them because this guy can't play. Hey, but sell oh. jerseys, that's what it's about. Well, I think they buy them and they put them. In. I think you're wrong. I think they're all in the bottom of a drawer somewhere. I don't think if you're going to go out and pay for it, you're doing it for a specific reason. You are not going to pass it along. You are going to keep it. It's one of those well, jerseys that you those want to give you a hard time about. 25 yeah. years later, you still got the jersey. And the wife is going, can I please take this to Goodwill? And you go, no, 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 no. Put that one back in the drawer. I, yeah. I may wear that again. That's well, the jersey. That, that, that's the kind spend, of influence what, what is a, a, a real, not a replica, what is a real jersey run these days? Like 150, somewhere in that range? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's closer to 200. 200 yeah you got to make better decisions i always tell if you're gonna be if you're gonna be a jersey person go go the go the uh uh the legacy route go the you know if you're an eagles fan go go b dog go reggie white go randall cunningham donovan whatever don't don't pick a new player don't I just don't do it I, I understand where you're coming from. J-Mac, maybe we'll add that into tomorrow's mix. You and I are going to do this again some 22 hours from now. Uh, have a good day. Go put your jerseys in an order. Make sure the wife doesn't throw any of you. Tim got to get my Tim Tebow. <laughs> the recycle bin or take it to Goodwill. Make sure you get all those jerseys secure for uh, tomorrow when we come back. And do it again right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.